Class is in session. Like, ring, ring. Get your books. Take some notes. Page two, basically, is what we're on. <laughs> it's so early, no. Um, so we are back with another Backhands and Compliments beginner's guide to the ATP tour. This one is ATP 201, which is a little bit different than 101. We're not going to be going through like different people again or anything like that. Instead, we're going to be going through the, I was going to say logistics. I don't necessarily think that's the right word. I guess we, we need to come up with a course title, Katie. Yeah, I guess just like, you know, the functions of tennis, the functionality of it, like what is... Yeah, just like the way that it works, yeah. the way that things unfold, the season. Yeah. So you know about these rivalries it, and these characters. Uh, where the hell can you watch them? How are they? Mm -hmm. What are they on? What are they doing? We went through the cast last time and today we're going through the plot. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> And it's a long book. It's like 800 pages of book. <laughs> well, I don't know. We also only have like six Google slides, so... That's true. It's easier. That's true. Yeah. We're not doing like the history of tennis. Like, no, no, no. Absolutely not. No. Get That's out of for here. someone else to do. Yeah. Go find a different podcast. I don't know what podcast that is, but it's not us. I don't either. So essentially, if you've been sent this by someone, uh, last time I said this, I'm sorry, but also you're welcome. We're taking people through a beginner's guide to the ATP tour as a way to get people into the sport because it's our personal goal to do whatever the opposite of gatekeeping is. And with the new Netflix show coming out and all of that stuff, um, we wanted to take it upon ourselves to give people like an easy starting point for how they can get into the sport of tennis. Also, I guess we should say, um, if you know stuff about tennis, this is probably going to be slightly boring for you because we're going over the very, very basics. Like, imagine you don't know Jack about tennis. I mean, the content is boring, but we're not boring. No, yeah. So... Came for the boring content. Stay for... Who are we? <laughs> I'm Miranda. And I'm Katie. Yeah. And we're we're just your little professor. On a, no, not professors. We're TA. Like, absolutely more of a TA vibe. Yeah. You know, you're coming to office hours. We're giving you a popcorn yeah. and being like, this is what you gotta know for the final. Yeah, we're, we're telling you just exactly that. So the starting point here is understanding that, like, the way that you're essentially going to watch tennis, the way the tournaments happen, it is all on a tournament basis. So if you're a fan of football, it's obviously people have different games and there's not necessarily, like, a tournament structure. Um, it's as though every week is March Madness, mm -hmm. uh, which mm -hmm. is basketball. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just had to clarify. Or like um, for Formula One, I feel like I'm, I might end up using a lot of Formula One examples because I feel like the F1 girlies, like, y'all are primed and ready because mm -hmm. it, Breakpoint is going to be the drive to survive, but for tennis. So I might end up just using a lot of uh, Formula One lingo. It's so much like Formula One, except the guys are over six feet tall. It's incredible. It's it's amazing. And you can look at them throughout the entirety of the match. Very true. I do wish they were mic'd up, though. I wish they were mic'd up, too. Wouldn't that... Although, we shouldn't wish for that, because they would be speaking in their own languages, and I don't speak anything other than English, so... Someone would translate. That is true. The Twitter girlies, chef's kiss, they're on it. Yeah. So, it's all in a tournament structure, so essentially... Things, you know, start out with bigger draws and move to smaller ones as people win in order to make it to the end of a tournament, you have to beat everybody else that you've come against so far. So it would be like if in an F1 race, they did, you know, sprints with two people at a time. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Can you imagine? Um, it is very different, though, because, like, a tournament will last an entire week, and that's why people are just always playing tennis. Like, there's always something happening, whereas mm. for F1 or for something else, like, you get one race a week if you're lucky. Yeah. Which makes it much easier to watch. Yeah, oh, that's true. There's much less commitment <laughs> to F1. So people are placed in the tournament based off of the number of points that they have, and they get awarded points based on how well they do in each tournament. There are four different types of tournaments at ATP level, which is like the professional tennis level. There's other leagues below that that also offer points, but we focus on ATP tour level matches. And those four levels are, Katie, do you want to tell us what those four levels are? Because I feel like I'm talking too much. <laughs> it's okay. You're very good at this. Like, it's, it's almost like it, it's your job. <laughs> It's because I'm also the one who has learned this stuff the most recently. So I'm coming at it from a very, like, beginner point of view. Yeah. Although, I, w I th well, I feel like you did a lot of research on your own to understand this stuff. I feel like I didn't explain any of this well. <laughs> yeah, I, t I did sort of take it upon myself. Yeah. But what are the four different types of tournaments that, like, we might talk about? So the highest one that um, is worth 2000 points. Um, it's probably the one that most some people have heard of if you know about sports. And that is the Grand Slams. There are four of those a year, one in roughly each quarter of the year, but we'll get into that. So that's the highest one Grand Slams. Those are your, your big ones, you want to win those mm -hmm. directly below that are Masters 1000s, which like the name suggests are worth 1,000 points. It gets easier after Grand Slams because the names all suggest how many points they're worth. They really do because after that, you cut it in half again and that's mm -hmm. 500 series, which is 500 points. Wow, who would have thought? And finally, the smallest level of tournament, although the level of play in those tournaments isn't lower, it's just a lower amount of points, um, is 250. So yeah. And typically the 250, there will be fewer people participating. So you might have better people participating. You might have worse. It kind of depends. For a Grand Slam, generally all of the players will show up. I think they're required to like all show up unless they're injured. Yeah. Same for Masters 1000. But 500s mm -hmm. and 250s, people can kind of pick and choose which ones they want to go to. Yep. So in order to win a 250, for example, you'd probably have to beat people who aren't necessarily as good as the people you would have to beat at a higher level tournament. Mm -hmm. And I will also say that um, 250s and 500s sometimes will happen in tandem. So like mm -hmm. uh, there's a tournament that's in Basel, Switzerland, and a tournament that's in Vienna, um, Austria. They're both mm -hmm. 500 level. They're both happening at the same time. So players will have to pick and choose which draw to go into. Um mm -hmm. It also depends, um, spoiler alert, they get money for entering into tournaments like this. Um, they get uh, your parents' fees. So they will sometimes pick the one that has the more money in it. So yes. So I recently found out that like one of the one of the clothing sponsors that brands use, like, I don't know, is Yonex, which is apparently a Japanese brand. So like people who wear Yonex have to, Yonex? I don't know. I don't even know how to say it. I didn't know it existed <laughs> before becoming a tennis fan. Players that are sponsored by that brand have to show up to the tournament in Tokyo. So they're mm -hmm. like certain things like that. People would be required to show up certain places, play certain ones. So everyone kind of figures out. That's one thing that's nice is like with a Formula One or something like 
you know that everyone is going to show up at every race unless they're like sick or something like that. But with tennis, every race, or every race, <laughs> every tournament is a little bit different because not everyone has to show up to everything except for slams and Masters 1000 tournaments. Those are the different types of tournaments. But again, like the, the way that the structure works is everyone has to be seated based off of their ranking points and you, you get ranking points based on how well you do at these one at these tournaments so for example the person who wins a grand slam gets 2,000 points the person who loses in the final of the grand slams you've made it all the way through but then you're losing in that last match to the person who wins it that person gets 1,200 points which is more points that than you would get for winning a Masters 1000 level tournament. So like the way that the points kind of shake out and everything is interesting to keep track of and seeing how different people have their rankings so high because certain people will end up with a really high ranking even though they didn't play that many tournaments. Mm -hmm. And certain people like Stefanos will, for example, will play a bajillion different tournaments <laughs> so that he can get as many ranking points as possible because he flopped out of the beginning of the last Grand Slam that there was. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so just for instance, for example, yeah, just for example, <laughs> just pull but if you, <laughs> if you listened to our ATP 101, for example, we talked about Casper Rude, who made the final of two Grand Slams in 2022. So he got that 2400 points from getting to two different Grand Slam finals, which is more points than he would have gotten if he won two Masters 1000 tournaments. So it's like, Oh, Casper's never won a Masters 1000, but presumably it's harder to make the final of a Grand Slam than it is to win a Masters 1000. Yeah, it, it 100% is. Yep. Logic. Sad. Anyway, those are the different types of tournaments. Anything else you want to add there, Katie? I think we pretty much covered it. I think we did too. I'm really trying to cover quite a lot because like, I feel like once you have these things down, by the way, sorry, we're not going to go into how the game is scored. Like you're on your own, kid. <laughs> Look up a video and watch a video. Honestly, my mm -hmm. best advice that I can give for someone is watch a video like for dummies and you're going to be confused throughout the entire thing. And then watch a real tennis match and then it'll start to become clear. And then watch that dummy video again after you've watched the tennis match. And I think it'll really start to click. It's really just about watching the tennis and then you'll get mm -hmm. it. Consume the content and like eventually it'll make sense, but do consume the content. Yeah, there's just no way for us to accurately explain how tennis is scored. Not in an audio <laughs> medium, like it would be really no. tough. <sighs> yeah, and I'm not making a video. <laughs> These tournaments come with the ranking points. I should say they also come with prize money. I forgot about that part. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, people are getting money for these things as well, but... Additionally, the points that determine where their ranking falls only last on your total and count toward your ranking for roughly a year until the tournament comes around again. So someone like Daniil Medvedev, who went to the final of the last of last year's Australian Open, will be dropping 1,200 points if he does not make the final of the Australian Open again and keep those points on his roster. So there's a lot of pressure to people to, if they had a really good year, to have that really good year again, or you will very quickly fall from grace. But then it's also nice because if you had a really bad year, you can pick up a ton of points throughout the year if you have a good one. So it's the players mm -hmm. rise and fall really fast. That you'll then have to defend next year. <laughs> it's very true. As, as Len Karatsev found out, um, 
for everyone who probably even listeners who do know about tennis, Aslan Karatsev is a player who got to the semifinals of the Australian Open in 2021. 2022, he had a horrendous year and dropped like 30 ranking points in like the span of like three months. It was... <laughs> I feel like 30, 30 positions, because not points, positions, right? Positions, sorry. Yes, okay. you're right. Yes. 30 positions, I feel like it's not even that many like for three months. Like people can drop much faster than that, especially at a certain level, because there will be like, mm-hmm. there could be a thousand points in between the like top number one and number two, for instance. I don't know if that's the case right now. I don't know off the top of my head. But then there's like also you know, 50 people within a thousand points of each other once you get down to a certain level. So like the people with more points, there's fewer of them because there's fewer options. Well, that's how... So they, yeah. There's fewer people who get them because obviously only one person is getting the... 1200 mm-hmm. points in the final of the grand yeah. slam there's there's it's top heavy with the points and there's fewer people up there it is it's yes. very top heavy you can also skyrocket really fast if you win a big tournament because there's so mm-hmm. little margins between the players um once you get down like i think even like nine and or t- 10 and 11 only have like three points between them let me look hold on my favorite website live-tennis.eu my favorite website I should make this my homepage, genuinely. <laughs> you should. So there are four instants between 10 and 11, which is Hubert Hercatch and Holger Runa. There's only, how many is that? Please hold while I do math. I think there's only 13 <laughs> points separating them. And like, those are 13 points that I'm sure Holger Runa like loses sleep about at night because he <laughs> wants to be in the top 10 so badly. So close. He's really it's- close. It's annoying. It was so, it was so funny when that happened because he, basically he was going to be in the top 10 if he had like played a match, an extra match or something, but then he dropped points from another thing and... Yeah, he dropped points from like one of the challengers or something that he played, I think. Yeah. But anyway, but like then there's 800 points between number one and number two. So like the points are, it depends on where you are, but they can be very important or they can not really like, or there can be a bigger difference between them. Yeah. And I want to say like the reason why we care so much about points and why points actually matter, because in the grand scheme of what we think about, we don't actually care where these people rank. The reason we care is because those rankings are what puts them in specific er, portions of the draw. Mm -hmm. And the draw is what we're looking for because we're looking for matchups. So if there are two people who are closer together or they're ranked like number one and number two, they're not going to play each other guaranteed until the final because they're on literally opposite halves of the draw, which we're going to talk about tournament bracket style in a minute. Yes. So that's why we care <laughs> about point systems because I actually don't care who's number one. I just care where they're going to go in a rank- in a draw. I care who's number one because I love a ranking. I love things being quantifiable, you know? Like, <laughs> I love that at the moment it looks like Kaspar Rude is way better than Novak Djokovic. Like, I just think it's funny. <laughs> that's anyway, true. speaking of draws, so when each tournament is about to start, so like gearing up here for the Australian Open, we will really be waiting and people will talk about a lot the draw for the Australian Open. And essentially the way that that works is... They one and two will be placed on opposite sides, as Katie said, meaning that they can't play each other until the final. But they want to seed things out so that like not too many good people are 
going to play each other too early. Like it's sort of a fairness thing, but also mm-hmm. um, just kind of trying to evenly spread things out, making sure Novak and Rafa like aren't playing each other first round, even though that would be very funny. <laughs> It'd be hysterical. I'd actually love to see that. Yeah, that would be, they should just not do seeds for one tournament. Like it would be funny. <laughs> just full Russian roulette draw. Like, yeah. Just fully. spin a wheel. Who ends up where? Honestly, I'd kind of love that. I want a tournament like that. I, I want I want that EXO. So they will seed things out based on the ranking points and essentially like one and two go on opposite sides and then they will draw for if the person ranked third or the person ranked fourth, they will draw which side of the draw they end up on. So like three or four, you could end up on like one's side or you could end up on two's side it doesn't matter and then i think four through eight they'll draw together separately so like they can end up anywhere and on and on from there so there is some kind of randomness to the tournament structure and you won't know like who is going to play each other or who even has like a chance to play each other outside of a final you won't know those matchups until the draw comes out and you won't know those actual matches until like the day before so it's incredibly Mm -hmm. hard to actually go to a tennis tournament and be like okay I'm going to go to this tournament and I'm going to see a matchup of uh, Stefano Tsitsipas and Andre Rublev, which your chances are great because they play each other all the time. They really do. But um, you won't know that like that's the match that you're going to see until they each make it to that point in the tournament, which usually happens like a day or two before. And that's kind of, that is the beautiful thing I think about tennis is that sorted basically like the worst player is going to end up playing the best player just because that's what's fair, essentially, mm-hmm. or one of the worst players like statistically in the rankings but you know you kind of have a cinderella story moment where you know this person you've never heard of is suddenly getting into the semifinals of a grand slam and you're like whoa where did you come from from? where did you go where did you go cotton eye joe um you could have that uh moment but that's why also you'll hear players say like oh i want to be seated for australian open or something they will specifically say if they're in that kind of zone where they might not be seated because they're more likely to end up playing a player that's worse than them. Because I think if you're seated, mm-hmm. you're always going to get a player that's ranked lower than you. But if you're unseated, you might get a player that's that's not because you might get a qualifier or something. So yes. you might get a player that's worse than you or you'll probably get a player that's better than you. And when they say yeah. like, oh, it's worrying when like Nick Kyrgios isn't going to be seated for US Open. Was that a thing? Was he? I don't I don't remember. I, but I think he was seated. He wasn't seated for a Masters. He wasn't seated for Montreal, which uh, <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk, about, talk it. about it. So when people aren't seated that are really good, then people are kind of like afraid and whoever ends up being like paired up with them, it could be a problem. Like, for instance, Serena Williams, again, we're coming to from a beginning her point of view but like Serena Williams wasn't seated at any of the tournaments that she played in 2022 because um she got wild cards into all of them so it's a way for someone to get into a tournament who doesn't necessarily count ranking wise where they would need to be tournaments are given wild cards that they can give out to any player that they see fit so that's sort of what tennis is like on a week-to-week basis just about every week out of the year maybe except for like four there's a tournament for you to watch there really is. Like, you will not run out of tennis to watch. Yeah. Something for me that was incredibly, like, interesting when I learned this was that tennis is played on three different surfaces. And I would say sort of, like, four different, like, sort of... Because I would count indoor and outdoor hard court as, like, kind of two different conditions. So mm-hmm. it's almost like there's four different, like, types of field that they will play on. 
Um, yeah. So th- imagine if one day um, basketball players showed up to a March Madness and they were playing on grass. Like, <laughs> different yeah. people would win. Different people would be better. And they have different skill sets that are set to each of these different things. So the surfaces is one of my favorite things. As a former player myself, I love different surfaces because it really changes the game, the complexities mm-hmm. of the game. We're not here to get into that. The most common one that if you're in the US, you may have seen um, the ones that are at your local park, you know, at a high like, school. Yeah, the ones that your high school had would have been yeah. would have been what is called hard court. Um, they are basically just painted concrete. Mm-hmm. I love I love hard courts. The complexity here that we can get into is like even within hard courts, there are different types of hard courts. So they can be outside or they can be inside and they can um, also change the surface of the hard court, like depending on what kind of coating they use, like the ball will literally bounce differently and that favors mm-hmm. different players or doesn't favor other players. They can also use different balls, which like changes things up too. Which is wild. Like, it's just crazy to me how much intricacy there is in this sport where like there's already so much intricacy by it being like a one-to-one person-to-person sport where like every individual matchup is different. Every individual matchup in different weather conditions, on different surfaces, in different cities, like there's so much nuance. There really is. I think hard court is probably the one that has the least amount of variation or can have the least amount of variation. Mostly the only variation you have is in the actual creation of the surface itself. The one that I think has the most variation is our next surface, which is clay. Um, It is mostly red clay. So it's literally made out of red. It's dirt, y'all. It's mud. It's very dependent upon the condition that it's in. If it's really Mm -hmm. humid, it's going to act differently than if it's really dry. The fun thing about it that I don't think anyone knows is that you actually have to water clay. So you will literally in between sets of matches, you will see people go out with hoses <laughs> and just fully spray them. Which is very funny because when they're on hard courts, like rain is a nightmare yeah. and you want that court to be as dry as possible. But then on clay, they're out here with sprinklers. Yeah. And it's 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 so funny. <laughs> clay is very temperamental. It's my personal favorite surface to watch, not to play on. Um And then our third surface is grass. This is the historic one. This is what Wimbledon is made out of. And it is just, it's grass. It's grass, y'all. It's literally Mm -hmm. mowed to within an inch of its life grass. Um, And it's very slippy. Yeah, which is crazy to me because I wouldn't think that it, like at at first I wouldn't think that a tennis ball would be able to bounce on grass. Spoiler alert, it doesn't bounce very well on grass. (laughs) It actually doesn't. (laughs) um, You know, much to think about. Um, But yeah, each one has their own little intricacies. It's different to like move around differently on each of these. And because of the different surfaces, different players will kind of excel at different parts of the season. So you'll get someone like Matteo Berrettini, who has like a really good serve, for instance. This is the most technical I will ever get, you guys. (laughs) Like, but people with really good serves are going to do better on grass because it's harder for the ball to bounce. So like it's harder for people to return things. Mm -hmm. So that is one example. But like clay is really good for good movers because you can like slide around and run around and get down in the dirt. Like, <laughs> but, um, and clay, like things like clay, that. the ball moves slower, so you have more time to get to a ball. You know, you can put more, mm-hmm. you can hit it higher up on, on stuff, and it's yeah. And then hard court, you just yes. it's a free for all on a hard court. So those are the different surfaces. We mix it up. It's like if one day they showed up to their F one track <laughs> and they were driving on mud with. <laughs> No, actually, 
actually the intricacy for F1 is they do like soft, medium, and hard tires. And it would be like if one day they were all required to not, and like a big part of the strategy is what kind of tire you're using at what different point in the race. So it would be like they fully changed like the tire strategy for one of the races. Like that's the that's the F1 parallel for my F1 girlies out there. I'm not one of you, but like I know enough. <laughs> you know enough to try to like indoctrinate them into our I do. Try to steal them. I can name a lot of the people on the grid and I've watched like two races and that's all I got. I've watched them drive to survive. That's about all I know. The next thing that we're talking about now that we have kind of the different surfaces is um, the different parts of the season and the way that the season unfolds. So essentially the season revolves around the four Grand Slams that you have. So you have the Australian Open, which is on a hard court and it happens in January, Mm -hmm. right? January. Then you have the French Open, which happens on clay, and that happens in... End of May, early June. Then you have Wimbledon, which is on grass, and that one is in the end of June, the beginning of July, usually around 4th of July timing. And then you have the US Open, which is the end of August and sort of September. (laughs) Usually, weirdly, the final is on like September 11th, which is strange, but happens. You'll have lead up tournaments that are the Masters 1000s going into those Grand Slams. So the season essentially starts off with the Australian Open. There's a couple smaller 250s and 500s leading up to Australia, but kicks off with the slam at the Australian Open and then follows with a couple of hardcourt Masters 1000s in Indian Wells in California. My, I guess... Your home slam. Home, my home slam. Your home slam. It's not a slam. (laughs) It's not a slam. Everything's a slam if you want it to be. (laughs) That's true. And then Miami as well. And then... There's a change of surface after Miami. So there are three Masters 1000s on clay. Do you want to talk about those ones, Katie? Sure. So the first one is Monte Carlo, which is in Monaco. It's a, oh my gosh, just Google Monte Carlo, Monaco tennis courts. Stunning. Beautiful. Right on the, on the seat. Mm stunning amazing and that was my first tournament last year that's where i got into it i was like this is stunning this is so cool and been chasing that high ever since and you really you can't get it anywhere else (laughs) no you don't you can't and then after that there is rome um which is obviously in italy and madrid which is obviously in spain um miranda has come up with a fun name for them because um yes Indian Wells and Miami, since they're back-to-back, are called the Sunshine Double, um, because they're they're very, you know, sunshiny. Um, Would you Mm -hmm. like to tell the people what you came up with for Rome and Madrid? (laughs) So... Monte Carlo is a couple weeks before Rome and Madrid, but Rome and Madrid are right next to each other, much like Miami and Indian Wells. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Back to back. I was like, there needs to be a sunshine double type name for Rome and Madrid, and then a couple of other, like pair Masters 1000s that we have in the calendar. So what was my one for double shot of espresso, the double shot, something like that, because, you know, espresso countries, Spain and Italy, Mm -hmm. sunshine cities, Indian Wells and Miami, double shot of espresso is what I will be referring to as... (laughs) So stupid. I love it. But we like that... As a sunshine double isn't stupid. (laughs) It's all stupid. I I don't know. There's like some... There's something there, but anyway, sunshine double... Is cute, I think. But so if anyone thinks of anything better that we can call Roman Madrid, let me know. Then after Madrid, we have Roland Garros, also known as the French Open, 
which is the slam that is on clay, as mentioned before. Mm-hmm. And it is in Paris, France. Paris. Um, Paris? Yes. Then they switch surfaces again and they go to grass. There's no 1,000 level tournament on grass. So the only big tournament on grass is Wimbledon. Last year, Wimbledon did not offer any points. They just offered money because um, it's a little 201, guys. But essentially, they didn't let Russian players play because of the war. So the ATP decided, okay, we're not going to give you any ranking points because it's unfair that some players wouldn't have an opportunity to get those points. It's a whole thing. But I guess this is a good time to say that there are different organizations that run different tournaments. Mm -hmm. So the majority of the tournaments that aren't Grand Slams are run by the ATP, which is the Association of Tennis Professionals. Mm -hmm. However, Grand Slams are not run by the ATP. Mm -hmm. So Wimbledon is run by, was it the LTA? Yes, the Lawn Tennis Association. So pretentious. Um, And they are beholden to the British government. And the British government, in all its hypocrisy, um, decided that they did not... I know you want to, like, take a stand, but I don't know if 102 is where we take a stand. I'm just saying, the British government basically told Wimbledon that they can't have Russian players play, and the ATP said, no points for you. Mm -hmm. And then they also ended up fining them. It's a whole thing. So they'll have to pay money as well. It's a whole big thing. We can get into it later. Big No points at Wimbledon last year. Normally, it would be worth 2,000. There's no other big tournaments on grass. Then they moved from grass back to hard courts, back to North America, and they have the National Bank Open presented by Rogers. <laughs> the name is so stupid long. But this one is a tournament that is held in Canada. And they switch off bete- between holding this tournament in Toronto and holding it in Montreal, at least right now. It depends what city it's going to be in. In 2023, the men's tournament is going to be in Toronto. The women's is going to be in Montreal. But in 2022, the men were in Montreal. The women were in Toronto. So that's why it kind of switches yeah. off like that. But it's the same amount of points, the same tournament. Yes. And then we also have the um, Western and Southern Open, not to be confused with Winston-Salem. Both WS and it's confusing, (laughs) but whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, That one is in Cincinnati. And you might be like, wait, what? (laughs) We're going from Rome to Paris to London to Cincinnati, people. But um, it's not even Cincinnati. It's not not even Cincinnati. It's on the outskirts of Cincinnati. Cincinnati is my personal favorite. Um, It's the one you've been to. (laughs) I and it's it's amazing it's lovely fantastic can't recommend it enough Mm -hmm. it's beautiful I want to go you know we're going this year so what did I decide to call these ones the rain delay double (laughs) no you decided to call them the syrup double oh the syrup double because um what kind of syrup do they have in Cincinnati oh corn syrup syrup. corn syrup (laughs) sorry corn syrup (laughs) there's a lot of corn in Ohio if you didn't know I think my actual name that I came up for this one was the syrup series um that's a good one so yeah obviously maple syrup in canada and then corn syrup in cincinnati ohio (laughs) but alternate title is rain delay double because these ones are rife with rain delays you say that and then there was how many rain delays in san diego okay look (laughs) okay i'm just trying not to i'm just trying to defend my that was so wild like it never rains in california but like no the week that they bring the atp tournament to san diego you're like, put all of the tournaments in California. Look, it never rains here. And then San Diego has like 15 rain delays. And I'm like, Katie, Girl. Look, maybe if their top seed wasn't Dan Evans, Mother Nature wouldn't have rained on them. Honestly, cannot blame her there. After Cincinnati, <laughs> then you have the US Open, which is the one, the other big slam on 
Hardcourts and the last slam of the season. And you might be like, okay, so that's where the season ends. No. (laughs) No. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) There are two more 1,000 level tournaments after the US Open in a normal year. They did not have, one of them didn't happen this last year because it is in Shanghai and, you know, couldn't get in because of all the couldn't get in. Anyway, they couldn't have the Shanghai Master Tournament. They did have the tournament in Bercy. Did I come up with a name for these ones? Because I don't think I did. I don't think you did. This one They're just the indoor ones. If I had to, actually I don't is Shanghai all indoor? Mm-hmm. The the basement series? <laughs> Because it looks like they're in a basement. I was going to say the darkness double. Ooh, darkness double. That's my idea. Anyway, again, I don't know if they're, I don't think they're consecutive right next to each other. So I don't know if we'd want to do that. But anyway, these are my names. Like, take them or leave them. You can leave them. Also, Bercy uh, is the Rolex Paris master. So that one again is in Paris, France. Bercy gives, I don't know why the fuck it's called Bercy, but. It's because it's in a fully different neighborhood of Paris. So it's in like kind of a weird outskirt type neighbor like it isn't in like central paris the way that roland garros is okay it's on like a fully different side of the city okay i didn't know that yeah because i don't watch the indoor tournaments because i don't like them but i was there so i know you did you did you did you had to deal with the french you almost died oh dealing with it the almost french. killed me i've said it once i'll say it again <laughs> and then after that usually it's the end of the season this year it was the end of the season again they had to like shuffle around the end of the year in 2022 because of Russia. They had some tournaments in Russia that they had to move other places. They had some tournaments in China that they had to move other places. So there was some reshuffling. In 2023, there will be a couple tiny tournaments after the Rolex Paris Masters, which is weird, but like the main event after the Rolex Paris Masters and the last one of the year is, get ready for it, the finals. Oh my God, who would have thunk it? What a name. Wow. So then we have the ATP finals, which awards, I think, 1,200 points to the winner, something, 1,600, something like that. So it's a good amount of ranking points that people can get from the finals. And only the top eight players from the year before based on ranking points. Again, this is another reason why ranking points are so important. Only the top eight Mm -hmm. players will qualify to play in this tournament. This one's also indoors. Um, And it also moves around Mm -hmm. various places. Um, A couple of years ago, it was in London at the O2. And um, for the next couple of years, it's going to be in Italy, in Turin. So it does move um, cities. So the way the season stretches out over the year is the Australian Open happens in January and the finals happen in November. And the rest of the season happens in between. So like we said, really only four to five weeks off. Like there is no off season. And even then the players will still play like um, exhibition matches, which are just for money and no points. So that are sanctioned outside of the ATP. It never ends. That's how the season unfolds. The other thing that I wanted to go through, Katie, and like, let me know if you don't think we should talk about this, but I do think it's important, especially because people may be coming in from breakpoint. I'd like to quickly and easily address why we don't talk about Sasha and Nick. Oh, that's probably a good, yeah. Whew, that's a big one. <laughs> Not to like end this on a bummer or anything, but now that we've gone through like the way that this- Also, hold on. I should say if anyone is triggered by talking about oh. domestic violence- Yeah, I was going to get there. This is, uh, goodbye. See you next week. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, you know, just for generally- don't watch Nick Kyrgios and Sasha, Alexander Zverev. Yeah. That's what you need to know if you're triggered by that. Yes. So trigger warning, domestic violence, abuse of women, things like that. But um, as with any organization where men are put in positions of power, there are abuses of power that will 
happen, unfortunately. I wish we didn't live in a world where that was the case, but that is unfortunately true. You may have noticed that we, when we're talking about players and stuff, like a lot of other people will talk about people like Nick Kyrgios or Alexander Zverev, for instance, um, but we have not mentioned them and we like strategically have chosen to not talk about them because they are kind of like a, a black spot on tennis for us and our enjoyment of the sport and things like that. So the reason for that is they've both been accused of um, domestic partner violence and um, I would rather believe a liar than believe an abuser mm -hmm. if I have to be wrong in one of those cases. So I tend to believe the women in these cases. Nick Kyrgios has an active court case against him in Australia. Alexander Zverev does not have an active court case against him. He does, however, have like an investigation open with the ATP that apparently has been concluded, but the results have not been released at all. I do not know why that is. I've said it once, I'll say it again. If I were him and did not do anything, I would be screaming from the rooftops for them to release the results of that investigation. They have not. But if you'd like to hear more about the Alexander Zverev accusations, I recommend that you watch uh, a YouTube video called The Sinister Side of Alexander Zverev, which goes into a lot of detail on exactly like what the allegations are. And um, for Nick Curios, I think there are also some articles and things like that of the accusations that have been made against him. Both people have also been abusive to umpires or to their player boxes as well. So like we see this behavior from them on court too. And again, even if you don't want to believe the women, which, you know, I don't agree with you, but sure. They've also shown this behavior in places where we've seen the video evidence, which makes me even more inclined to believe the women. Anyway. So we specifically do not mention them. We also specifically don't watch their matches. I mean, Alexander Zverev has been out for quite a while, but um, when he's back, I will not be getting any eyeballs on his matches. And same with Nick Curios. I decided to stop watching him after Cincinnati, I think. Like, I was like, I'm just, I'm not going to do it anymore. So anything else to add in there? I feel like I, once again, vamped for quite a while. Um, honestly, I think you covered it really well. But um, I generally would just like to say that if you are someone who supports those people, um, we are probably not going to be the podcast yeah. for you. Um, specifically because... If there is something that we feel like we need to talk about, like something has happened during the season, we will talk about it. Um, we will generally try to keep this very light, very fun, because that is what we're here for. We're here to have fun watching tennis. But sometimes it's inescapable, especially as women mm -hmm. who have to, wa have to watch people glorify these men and their actions when it directly affects other real life women mm -hmm. and could affect more real life women. So we might have to talk about this in the future. And if you are someone who is going to defend those two men or any other men, man or woman who comes who's accused of violence against their partners or anyone else. Mm -hmm. um, I would just politely ask that you either don't listen to us or don't comment things like that if you're going to be hateful, but it really costs nothing to be kind. Um, and that's, that's what so I would true. like to say about our podcast specifically, because these things do directly impact women every single day. Mm -hmm. So if we need to talk about it, we will. We'll generally try to stick away from it. But if you're someone who is going to comment vile things, um, fuck off. Kindly. Be nice or be quiet. What a concept. I know, right? Look at that. <laughs> so, yeah, that's uh, our take on that. And if you've, I don't know, if you have been confused why we haven't mentioned anything, then that's why. If you're coming from Breakpoint, which uh, God knows what the way that they are going to represent uh, Curios, I'm deeply concerned about it, frankly. I don't know what to say to you. Like, that's 
this is the perspective that we're coming to it with. And because we're taking this as like an opportunity to educate newbies, I just want to make sure that anyone coming into the sport will not, you know, start standing and then find something out and be blindsided because that's no fun. We also specifically mentioned like Steph a lot in that first episode talking about like the things that he was saying, which I think it's a lot less bad than actually being accused of like causing someone physical harm. So like there's a reason why we're talking like I would talk about Stefanos, but like I'm going to try my best to not mention or give any more airtime to like a Curios or a Zverev. Exactly. So, and yeah. you know, especially because we're probably not the best people to talk on this stuff specifically, like with the facts of it, because you know we're not actually directly involved with this. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, we will link, leave links to articles and videos that you can watch if you want to learn more about these two men and specifically what they have done for more information of mm-hmm. where we got our information. Um, so. Yeah, I just recommend that like you do try and educate yourself about these people's controversies before, you know, they show Nick Kyrgios like being super nice or something in the Netflix show and you're like, oh my god, he's great. And it's like, he's actually not. He's actually not. Devil in disguise. Just like mentally prepare yourself like all these people kind of suck. Like none of them are that good. (laughs) These are all, I will say as a general blanket, which we didn't talk about in our 101. But I think as a general statement, it is good to come in with the knowledge that these tennis players have been playing since they were very young. And the majority of them have no formal education. Mm -hmm. So they are going to um, not have the most nuanced takes on things. Mm -hmm. And I think it's good to understand that these are just professional athletes. And they're still people at the end of the day. So don't put anyone up on a pedestal because they're all just human beings, most of whom don't speak English as a first language as well. Mm So, like, take a lot of it with a grain of salt because some of them are dealing with a language barrier as well, which is something I always like to take into stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, these people can be potentially problematic or have problematic aspects. Um, So just be aware of that and, you know, you do you. But I also will say that, like, the cases that we're talking about, too, I don't – it's not a language barrier situation. It's not a cultural difference situation. Like, no, uh, and that's the reason why these ones are – <clears throat> excuse me that's the reason why these ones are like the the hard stops for us i sound like i'm getting choked mm-hmm. up i promise i'm not i've just been talking <laughs> for too long yeah <laughs> we've been recording for a while <laughs> we have that's the last thing that i wanted to touch on katie is there anything else yeah. that you think people need to know um i don't think so i think we've pretty much covered a lot but again like we said in the last episode if you're confused by anything or oh, anything God. is so, you're like what the heck are you talking about with this mm-hmm send us a dm we will explain it to you more than happy to a those cues exactly we are again we have kicked open that gate come on in we're friendly we promise we don't bite i think our next thing that we're gonna do is predictions for the 2023 season which starts tomorrow katie it's december 27th (laughs) and the next season starts tomorrow oh my gosh that's how long the season is the 2022 season starts in 2023 it truly is it's the last day of the off season that's crazy we made it (sighs) did we did we make it (laughs) i think we did technically oh my gosh oh my gosh yeah Mm, god oh oh my god i was also going to talk about like how you actually watch this porn (laughs) 
Oh my God. Okay. So the way that I would recommend you actually like watch it, like turn a match on and watch it is I personally would recommend starting in a 1000 level tournament because, um, the matches are shorter. That's one thing we literally didn't even mention is that grand slam matches go best (laughs) of five sets and regular matches go best of three. So like the grand slams matches are actually longer and like kind of, I mean, it just takes a long time to watch. Like you could be sitting down for a very long time. You don't know how long you're sitting down for until you, until the match happens. Yeah. So If you're trying to get into it, I recommend a 1,000 level tournament, which again, wouldn't be until like Indian Wells, but you're probably going to get in at the Australian Open if you're watching this. Um, Google, where can I watch the Australian Open in my country? Because I think in the US, it's probably going to be on ESPN, I think. Yes, ESPN and ESPN Plus. Mm -hmm. And... I don't know where it'll be on in the UK. Like, I, again, I just don't know, like, where it is in other places because I don't think yeah. it's on Prime Video anymore. No, they lost the contracts different. I don't no. I don't know what it is. I'm sorry. So I recommend getting in on a match where, like, you ideally have some kind of, like, inkling on who people are. But honestly, just turn on, during a 1,000 level tournament, just turn on Tennis Channel and, like, something will be on and that'll be a good, like, intro point for you. Or turn on ESPN during a Grand Slam. And again, there will probably be a match on. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I was going to say, I really also recommend getting an app. If you're very like invested into this, I have Tennis One is my app of choice. I don't know. What's the one that you use? Because we use different ones. We do. Mine is Tennis, but it's spelled without the vowels. So T-N-N-S. Okay. Um, and you can follow different players. So it'll send you notifications when a player starts a match. If they win a set, things like that, it will send you notifications so that you know when a person you like is playing. Although if you don't have ESPN Plus or you don't have the Plus channels, it they may not be showing the match you want, unfortunately. <laughs> but it's all part of the game. You'll get there. I also recommend checking googling like australian open schedule or something on google because that will start and it'll translate all of the expected match times to the time zone that you're in because especially with time zones it's really hard to like know when things are my app Mm -hmm. also the tennis live app i think will um translate time zones to be like in the time zone that you're in also so like mine will as well yep much easier Mm -hmm. so Keeping track of all that stuff, of when the matches are, who's playing, all of that stuff, because you don't know, once again, you don't know until like five minutes before a match. You don't know until the players show up (laughs) and start doing their warm up, like who, when a match is going to start. Yeah. It could be any time. And sometimes in the middle, they'll stop it for a rain delay or something. So it's hard. It's definitely hard to watch. Like, you know, with an F1 race, it's going to start at this time and it's going to last 70 laps. I don't know how many laps F1 races are. I should. I don't know. Um, I don't know but, you know, either. it's going to go like uh, two hours or however long. But like with a tennis match, it could be anywhere from 45 minutes to five hours. Yes, especially in Grand Slams. Because that's the great thing about tennis. Um, we're not getting into scoring, but there is no time limit there. It's not like soccer. Mm-hmm. It's not like football. It's not like um, basketball. There's no time limit. You have to get to a certain like point total and then you win yeah. essentially just layman's terms. But so it could be, could be a while. <laughs> and that's one of the reasons why so many matches are in tennis channel instead of them being on ESPN or something like that, because it's like I have ESPN or something. <laughs> because <laughs> They don't know how long they're going to last. So like they can schedule a slot for a basketball game, but they can't schedule a slot for a tennis match because they don't know how long it's going to go. Yeah. Sad. <laughs> but it's fun. I, again, we run a tennis podcast. I can't more highly recommend watching tennis. 
<laughs> yeah, again, and maybe, I don't know, follow us on Instagram and, like, if a match is happening that we're, like, this is going to be a good one, we can get you excited for it. We'll, like, put it on our stories or something and you can find yeah. it that way. Or we'll tweet about it, you know? We should, we should probably use our Twitter. We'll tweet. Yannick Center is about to play Carlos Alcaraz. Everyone turn on ESPN. Like, that's yeah. the vibe. That is the vibe. Like, you better get in here now. Mm-hmm. Classes in Sit session again. <laughs> the gate is, the gate's open. Come on get in. Get in here. Anyway. Let's go. <laughs> that's it i think this was good i think we went through a lot of stuff i think there's a high chance people will still be a little confused but that's but okay if they are they just let us know and we'll help you let us know and we promise we will help so yes you know. thanks for listening we'll see you next time or we'll Bye. listen to you we'll talk to you next time <laughs> you'll hear us next time yeah what are we gonna do next time is i think i said this uh 2023 predictions yeah bingo poor what a fun time Mine are some, there's, there's some doozies in mine, so get ready for chaos. Same. Oh, that's exciting. I'm curious, because I don't know what yours are. <laughs> and I don't know what yours are, so we're going to have live reactions. Great. Okay. Awesome. Thanks, guys. All right. Bye. Bye.